Oh, hello! Welcome to Dungeon Delving. I'm Brendan Wagner. I'm Adam McKeever. And today we are delving into the slod. Uh, creatures born of chaos, sort of. Yeah, they're a, uh, <laughs> they're interesting, weird clawed frog people that have a really interesting reproduction cycle. Mm-hmm. They are. Uh, so their history is that um, uh, Primus, or yeah, Primus, the Lord of Mechanus, which is a plane of pure law, lawful neutral. Went to Limbo, a plane of pure neutral chaos, and tried to bring order to it with these big stones, these big focuses of uh, lawful energy. And those became places where stuff like the Githzerai can make their monasteries, little bits of order amongst the chaos of Limbo. But among that, the Slod were born, creatures born of chaos that hate Primus and hate order. They're just chaotic, nasty creatures that only have any semblance of hierarchy when a death slot is around <laughs> to, or one of the slot lords or a slot lord yeah to bully them into into obeying right so, left to their own devices they just kind of sow discord in the world right and it, it's really interesting that they do have that hierarchy considering their you know beings of chaos well I mean, there's the the wheel of alignment really ought to be taken a little loosely because i mean like goblins are a chaotic creature with their alignment but they have a very strict um caste system you know but the thing that's kind of different between goblins and slods is that goblins are just creatures that tend to lean towards being a little rambunctious slods are literal manifestations of chaos beings of chaos uh but their reproduction cycle, I think, was what caught me the most when I was looking at these. It's definitely a way to put some pressure on your players because oh, definitely. they can just outright kill you. <laughs> Not, yeah, and uh, actually, the slot reproduction cycle is very similar to that of the Mind Flayers, which mm-hmm. you know is the entire plot of Baldur's Gate 3, Right, is you're infected by one of the tadpoles. Right. A slot tadpole or a Mind Flayer tadpole? Mind Flayer tadpole. Okay. Because, you know, sequel to Descent into Avernus. Okay, I'm not familiar, but uh, it, there's a whole bunch of stuff with that. Okay, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so the slods start as one of two different types: a red slod or a blue slod. And isn't it? I think it's random, isn't it? Uh, it no, they make each other. They, they they make each other. They also weirdly hate each other, hmm. even though all of their offspring will always be the opposite. Right. So a red slod has the ability to implant eggs. In a person with its claw attack. Yep, so underneath its claws, it basically just has the egg inserter and it just claws you. Yeah, I try to stay away from that word. (laughs) (laughs) Too much much kink stuff. (laughs) Too much, that's enough internet for the day. Yes, yes. (laughs) Shut it down. Uh, But it it puts a slot tadpole into your body and then it goes, uh, what is that, alien style where it just kind of like bursts out out of your chest. chest. Yeah, which also instantly kills the host so yes that's fun now granted and this is something that's true of all slot they are able to shapeshift right and they can shapeshift back into the form of their host right uh so the red and blue slots while they can't really do it that well it is possible for them to do it uh whereas with green slots and we'll get to them they can do it at will Right. Any higher slot. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other basic slot is blue slot, which are born of the tadpoles that red slot implant in people. And they're just a little bit beefier. 
They're bigger. They have a slightly harder hitting attack. Um, 2d6 rather than 2d4, you know, for their bite. But uh, their claw instead gives a disease called Chaos Phage. And if you're infected with it, you can't regain hit points, and your hit point maximum decreases every day. And then when it hits zero, you die and transform into a red slot or a green slot if you can cast third level or higher spells. Right. And that, that's also true with the uh, the red slots turning people into blue slots. If the host can cast magic of any sort. Oh, third level or uh, higher. Third level or higher. So basically, you have to be a caster. Right. Uh then they also will turn into a green slot mm-hmm. because green slots are basically the shamans. They're the the magic casters of the slotty race. Right. But the thing about green slots that's interesting to me is that they don't... And this is something you could homebrew away from if you're using it for, for plot in your games because we'll talk about this after we go through the stat blocks, but I think slot are very much a involved in the plot creature, not something you just throw into the game. Yes. But... <laughs> They don't keep the spells that they knew. When they no. come back as a green slot, they get the tech magic and thought, mage hand, fear, invisibility, and fireball. Which makes sense for just, uh, hey, here's a green slot. This is what they know. Right. Um, if you actually turn one of your players into a slot, I would take their spell list. Right. Or even an NPC that's a spellcaster right. that you're using in the plot at some point, And later you're like, well, I should bring in the slot. And I mean... Some of these make sense for a slot to have, like the invisibility, uh, the the detect thoughts, since slot actually do communicate via telepathy. Mm-hmm. So they can talk telepathically or with their own slot language. They all have telepathy in slot. Um, now, the green slots get really interesting because they can actually at will shape change. Mm-hmm. So they can go back into their their root humanoid form or they can be their full slot form and they actually have different abilities depending on which form they're in right they get uh, a staff they can hurl flames and then their slot forms of course they have the bite and the claw which i don't know why if you had a green slot in a fight and you weren't far away you wouldn't just hurl a flame every turn (laughs) yeah well (laughs) until you're in melee range there's no limit on its uses it's just you have a range attack where you Hurl flames at people, and it doesn't take well, any of your spells. Well, once per day, turn that into a fireball. True. Yeah, that, that, that'll do some stuff there. Uh, they do use charisma for spellcasting, which that has some... Uh, Sorcerer, fortune. warlock. Sorcerer, warlock, that kind of stuff, which uh, we'll talk about that a little bit further on. Mm-hmm. But green slots uh, are the first real step in the life cycle of a slot right because the red and the blues they're just for reproduction they don't really do anything other than make more slot right so having a green slot around or a higher slot is they're trying they're using their hordes of red and blue slot they control in this scenario where you have a powerful slot that brings them together to propagate their species and their goal is to get more to sow chaos to get more green slots, they can have more gray slots as commanders. But at the same time, you know, but it's to act out the whims of the death slot and the slot lords, right? And and again, with the red slot and the blue slot hating each other despite propagating each other, um, there's a lot of what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, shoot, I can't. I'm I'm blanking. Hypocrisy. 
yes. in their in their very being, which just kind of feeds into how chaotic they are. So at a random point in its life, a green slot turns into a gray slot, just transforms instantly. Yes. And there's no telling. It could be a couple days after it's born. It could be a thousand years. I'll, a <laughs> few different uh, sources, because I actually looked back at some of the stuff that they did in like the previous editions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's after about three or about a hundred years of learning innate magics, which also tells you that the slot live for a very, right. very long time. If they're not killed, they last a yes. long time. They, they have a very long natural lifespan. Uh, but... Once they learn that, they transform into a gray slot. It usually involves them finding a sword and imbuing, imbuing magic, magic. And then they into become a dark sword. knight from Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> uh, with a big sword that they channel magic yeah, A little bit. So they lose their fireball when they turn into a gray slot. Sad day. But they gain the great sword, which yes, is pretty which, cool. And it's a pretty good weapon attack. By the way, uh, they have been uh, slowly progressing in CR... From uh, the red slot being a five, the blue slot being a seven, the green being an eight, and now with the gray slot at a nine. So these guess, aren't. Like, guess what the death game. slot is? <laughs> yeah, these, these aren't typically like end game monsters unless no, you're going to have them in a horde. They're definitely tough. Yes, and with the, especially with the blue and the red, there's a very high chance of killing a player. Right. If your player fails their saving throws to resist. You know, getting an egg put in them or getting a disease and then they are unable to cure it later on, then you're going to die outright. So if you have some cocky players that are, you know, oh man, 5th edition is so hard to kill a player in 5th edition, just throw slot at them. Yep. Put them in their place. (laughs) Um, Uh, With the gray slot, they pick up the sword. Uh, Their magic list changes. So a majority of the spells they could cast twice per day as a green slot, they can do at will. Right. Uh, and then they also gain fly, uh, tongues, and plane shift. Okay, yeah, they do not have fear. So yeah, the gray slot now has the ability to travel between worlds and to, you know, so it's chaos among the many realms. Right, and the gray slots are a lot easier to use polymorph with. Uh, so they can just shift back and forth as they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, something of note is that every single slot has health regeneration and magic resistance. Yes. So they are not easy to take down. Right. And unlike a troll who you can pause their health regeneration by dealing acid or fire damage, um, they can regenerate with zero hit points if they haven't taken those damages. Slots aren't like that. Slots get a flat 10 hit points every round as long as they start the round with at least one hit point. Right. So you can kill them a little bit easier if you're missing a mage or that type of damage. I would argue that if you're missing a mage, it's easier to fight them in general. Yes. (laughs) Yes, because if somebody goes down, you're not going to end up with a green slot coming back at your face. But the death slot, our last one, CR 10 monster... They are the overlords. You know, the the red and blue slot kind of exist just to pers- like, sow chaos. The green slot are there to find arcane knowledge while sowing chaos. The gray slot start to go on vision quests throughout the multiverse, essentially. And then the yeah. death slot are there to uh, bring them all together and control them and... Yeah, and Start causing chaos on a much grander scale. And 
It's a very malicious chaos, too, considering, uh, as it says here, they are suffused with energy from the negative energy plane and exemplify evil's corruption of chaos. They're nasty. Nasty, nasty creatures. So to evolve from gray to death, a gray slot has to eat the entire corpse of a death slot. Yes. So when you have... You know, if you have a death slot who has multiple gray slots working for it, it wants those gray slots to help it bully the lesser slots. But at the same time, it's worried that one of those gray slots will kill it and eat it and take its place. Right. So, so you, that innate chaos of their hierarchy. So there's always that political intrigue that's going on amongst your villains there, too. So just looking at the stat line for the death slot, they have 20 strength, 19 constitution, 15 wisdom. So they're very tough. Uh, it, intelligence. What did I say? Wisdom. Oh, sorry. 10 wisdom, 15 intelligence. So they're smart and they're strong and they're tough and they're crafty. So if you're just, look, if you're just paging through the monster manual, you'll see their pictures and they're all kind of these big hulking toad monsters. Yeah. But then when you start reading about them, these are even the lesser slot are smart enough and crafty enough to not just so chaos by killing thing you know that's what leave that to gnolls and to goblins right slod are there to like yeah they're going to transform back into a slot and fight someone to propagate but for the most part they're going to be trying to upset political powers and right, they're, they're, they're playing balances and, they're playing their end game very smart like Goblins are playing, I don't know, Connect Four, and they're playing 3D chess. Right. (laughs) So that's really why that aspect of the slot, the fact they are intelligent, the fact that they aren't trying to sow chaos just by burning villages to the ground, goes aids in the the idea I had that this is a creature you want to build a campaign around, or at least a short adventure, because they're a creature that is intelligent. They're a creature that... A group of creatures that are well, the red and blue slot are intelligent, but the rest of them are, and they're I mean, cre- they're they're intelligent to a degree. They're not. I think red is six, blue is seven, <laughs> so they're not very smart. They're no. below average, but they're smart enough to know how to. They can take orders. Right, they're smart to take orders. They're smart enough to have ideas. Yes, but they're creatures that have all these weird aspects to them that I think you as a DM can turn these turn the slot into an adventure that persists after the party besting them and that's what well, i think that's so. that's what i really like about this group of monsters and before we you mentioned this group of monsters last week i knew they existed i knew kind of how they propagated but i never really read into them right I mean, and i'm really glad i did because like just like the red slot and the blue slot if if you fight a red slot and maybe it's serving some warlock of a great old one who has bound this creature of chaos to its will because there's an alternate rule for slod. Yes, all control gems. All slods would have this. Not slods that aren't born of a stone. Correct. So but, I mean, all, all all the different variants of slod yes, have, have a, a second in their brain. Have have a second modification that you can use that control. Right. Gem. Exactly. And so the way the control gem works is slod that are born of those big stones in limbo are born with them. Slots that aren't born with them don't have them, but if they go to Limbo, they're called to the stones. And when they come into contact with one, they get a control sphere or, or a control gem. Yes. And then when you use certain spells on a slot, you can take that control gem and then it is that creature becomes bound to you. It can't be charmed while it's bound to you. It obeys your orders without question and to the letter. And 
this that's really the only way I can see using the slot outside of a death slot invasion is a powerful magic user through whatever nasty back alley restricted section research they did learned how to do this and that these creatures existed and bound one to its service right or even bound a death slot to their right, service exactly even then and then you have the thing about that though is your players aren't just going to know that no your players aren't going to go well your players might but the characters aren't going to come into contact and go oh i bet I'm going to use imprison on this because I don't want it to fight us. Oh, look, now I have a... Con- that's Okay, you need to draw the line there between yeah. player knowledge and character knowledge. Right, but I mean, like, if they... If your players don't know anything about slot and they just happen to stumble across that, holy crap, they just broke the game. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, that would be something, too, if, you know, you have a wizard in your party that likes to cast imprison, then by all means, let them cast imprison on the slot and have a new slot pet. <laughs> but, yeah. Um that's something the control gems is something that i would want it i would introduce to my players through research and arcane lore they find in the world rather than something they can just oh you just know this your character would just know this unless you're playing a character who has in their backstory done a lot of extensive dark chaos magic research right but most player characters wouldn't have that no that kind of time and resources before becoming an adventurer right (laughs) uh now there are some uh, further slots that aren't yet in 5e. Well, apparently, at least on uh, D&D Beyond, there's some new Mordekainen's tome Fiend of... Folio? Er, Fiend Folio there uh, that has your goal, the Lord of Entropy. So there are some slots that are so powerful that they have transcended those five, five that we've talked about, and they've either become white or black slot. Okay. Uh and these slots, they are essentially gods. So the ones that have been in uh, first and second edition that we know of are Bazim Gorag, the Firebringer, uh, Chorst, the Lord of Randomness, Renbu, the Lord of Colors. I don't know how to pronounce a double F, I guess Sendam, the Lord of Madness, and Wardle. I love that. Wardle. <laughs> Wardle. He doesn't have a name. He doesn't have a title. He's just Wardle. Yep. <laughs> it's like uh, the it's like the Yanti gods where they have all these crazy names and then Seth. <laughs> <laughs> but the the Slot Lords, those could also be a really good plot point that you could utilize in a like it, it's it's just something that you can build around. Mm-hmm. And now that one of them is in there, you can start chunking mm-hmm. that in or even making your own just based right. on I would absolutely if I want to have some cosmic D and D. A slot lord is a great way to. Yes, yes. You can, you can play some uh, Nicol Bolas type stuff, and maybe they're trying to just bring limbo into other planes so they can spread their chaos on the grandest level possible. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we've talked a little bit about integrating them into your games. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I was going through this, I actually had a bit of a concept that I was going through for a player background. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually working on this on D&D Beyond, so it'll be something that you can actually import in there and use it if you find it here. Uh, but basic idea is that your character is a gray slot that tried to take out a death slot and failed. And the death slot cursed them and locked them into their humanoid form. Okay. 
So you retain a few things, like the longevity of a slot. You've got that. You can still understand and speak, well, understand slot, and you can use a little bit of telepathy, but the range is significantly reduced. Because okay. normal slot has 60 feet, you only have 15. And then I also have that on like rare occasions, if you can beat an extremely hard uh, saving throw using whatever your spell casting modifier is. Okay. Uh, if you can beat that, you can transform back into your slot form for a few minutes. Or I'm thinking probably just a minute for gameplay balance wise. Yeah. 60 seconds. 10 rounds is a long time. <laughs> yes. But even then, being able to transform into a minute outside of battle, if right. you can get that to go, is also pretty awesome. Yeah, you could do it like a like a uh, the druid speech wild shape. That lasts an hour. Yes, but what, I, what I'm thinking is like the, the slot having that kind of power being a CR 10, because wild shape can only what pull from it max a CR 2. Um, it maxes, unless you're a circle of moon druid, it maxes at CR 1. CR 1, so yeah. And then if you're a circle of moon, it maxes at CR, I want to say, 8. Right, so circle of moon druid would be okay to transform into it, an it hour. Might be, it might be 6. But you also be like, what, level 15, 16, something in there? Right, yeah, because for the circle of the moon druid, it's uh, your druid level divided by 3 rounded down. So I think it's six then, because at 21, it would be seven. So right. six. So you wouldn't even be able to get to a gray slot in that case. Right. So that that's why my idea is restricted down so much. Okay, that's fair. But I've basically come up with this character concept of this uh, this slot that got transformed back into a fear bulb. They're a sorcerer. Okay. Do uh, they remember that they were a slot? Yes, they remember they were a slot. They're bitter about it. <laughs> this so, really angry guy. So they they are working their way to find this death slot again, kill them and eat them so they can break their curse, have enough magic, and transform into a death slot themselves. That would be uh, a great way to make your character and eventually be like, I don't want to play this character anymore. Let's have him succeed and become the next bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> it, it's a cool thing that it's just, I feel like the background that you could really add a good hook for your DM in with. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't ever utilize that, it's still something in the background there that you can just be like, okay, we're in this tense situation. They're tr we're trying to intimidate it. Nothing's working. Just try and transform. And if you succeed, <laughs> that's a moment. So would you do it like, like with Cleric's Divine Intervention? That has a a quote-unquote cooldown of how, how often you can use it, but it's yeah. much longer if it succeeds. <laughs> that would probably be a good idea to put on it, because the entire idea is that he's cursed. He can't transform, but like there's these little cracks, little cracks in, the magic in the magic so that he can get back through. So you could make it... A, you could use, so your character could use their action to try to transform back into a slot temporarily. Yes. And if they fail, they can do it again next round. They're not. They're, they can't cast spells. They can't move. They can't I, fight. I currently have it as a once per long rest. They can try. Okay. And if they fail, then it's just done. Okay. Until they complete another long rest. Okay, I can see that. But in, in that case, I would make it easier to succeed. True. I'm, I'm thinking it's like 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 with the with the cleric. I think it's you roll but a d100 and on a 100 you you. Your god intervenes until you get to higher level, and right. then it's a long rest before you can do it again. 
<laughs> right. The, the whole thing behind it, though, is that like I want this to be available from level one. Okay, so right off the bat, they can start making attempts to transfer. Right, and like like I have it set at like a DC twenty. Okay, and you so, use your spellcasting modifier. Yes. So. So like a DC twenty, DC twenty five, maybe even. So it, it, it's hard to clear. Until right. You, even even with with a DC twenty five, you would pretty much have to have a a twenty. A twenty. Unless, oh, you're making a saving throw, so they they could add their proficiency bonus. Right. So until you get to high level, it'd be really hard. But yes, which is which is kind of the the balance that I'm going for with okay. it. Okay, I like but it. But just the idea of your character being a slot, but. You don't have access to all the slot stuff because you're trapped in this body. I I think that's really cool. The only hang up I have is I usually try to put on the party more of a we're all in the same team thing, and this is very much seems like a selfish. I'm only right. working with you be, to further my goals type character. And if you're playing a game like that, which I wouldn't be opposed to playing in or running at some point, it's just not usually what I do. But even then, again, the slot are intelligent. They could be. Like, yes, I'm using the party. They're never going to know. Right. But, like, it's like a, when I see my window, I'm going to just abandon them. I'm not going to necessarily turn on them or right. something like that. I mean, you can do it however. I can see it a lot of different ways. It's cool. I like it. It's neat. It's different. Um, It's definitely something that I look forward to you playing because you will at some point. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, I think the last thing I want to touch on is keeping your slad involved in your game after the encounter. I mentioned it earlier, but with the disease or the egg, those can take a long time to to right. incubate. Okay. The the egg is like three months before it's ready to hatch. Mm-hmm. So if your player is your player gets infected with the egg and they know something's wrong right away, but the knowledge of how to get rid of it, how do you get rid of it? Uh, you have to dis- cure the disease. Yes, which That's all I, it says. I, I think the really the only way to cure it is with the wish spell. It doesn't say that for the red slot. With the, the oh, the blue slot. Yeah, the, the, the blue the slot is the wish spell reverses the transformation. Yes, but um, both with both of these with red and blue slot, I would definitely be like, yeah, your characters don't necessarily know right away how to get rid of this, and a plain old run of the mill cleric cure disease spell isn't enough to cut it. You no. need to go on a quest. You can turn the fact that one of your characters fails the initial saving throw in a fight into another quest. Yes. We have to find the cure. It's like that the one in Skyrim where you get turned into a vampire and you have to go on this long wild goose chase quest to get the cure for vampirism. I said Skyrim, it's an oblivion. But <laughs> either way. It's the Elder Scrolls. It's, all the same. it's a, you get this disease. It is going to very much change your life for the worse, <laughs> yes. How do you get rid of it? That's your quest, and that then it becomes an opportunity for your players to have some role playing interaction with each other as they're going on this adventure. As your your infected PC is being, you know, the other PCs are trying to keep them in good spirits. Like, yeah, right. we're trying to help you with this. Let's do this. We can do this. Don't give up. We got this. Um, it gives you an opportunity to bridge a gap between two longer term adventures it gives you an opportunity to show your players that everything that happens has the potential to lead to something else right it's 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 a good tie-in it's a great mechanic it's great consequences 
Yes. That's some, that's one of the biggest things I, I try to harp on when I'm thinking about long, grand, long-term D&D is consequences of your actions. Because your players very quickly, even from a fairly low level, are changing the world that they live in. Yes. And this is a great way to show your players that you're not the only ones that have the ability to affect the world. The things you fight do too, and they can affect mm-hmm. you. <laughs> and the slot are just an excellent way to do that. Even if you're just using an evil spellcaster has enslaved one, you yes. happen to get infected with a disease or an egg. <laughs> now there's this next thing. Maybe you have to take a break from... You're on a big quest going after a big bad, but... We have to take a break from it to cure this person. But because we take the break to cure this person, the big bad gets a stronger foothold. They get a new weapon. They get something like that. And then your players can sort of of connect the dots through the past sessions and be like, huh, if you had had rolled one higher on that D20, this boss would be easier to kill. Right. Or it would be a completely different adventure. You never know. Or or a certain event just wouldn't have happened. Like, you would have been able to stop him before he could have done that. Right. And it gives you, it also gives you some replayability. Yes. For if you you make a very well-written out adventure that you put a lot of detail into, and then you're like, hey, I want to run this same adventure with some new players, but I don't have enough people at the table. One of your previous players can be like, oh, I'll play it again. I won't spoil anything, but I'll play it through, through it with you guys again. Oh, wait, something different happens. And now you don't have to worry about that player accidentally spoiling something because right. it's a different, it's the same adventure, quote unquote, but it's going down a different path because of a die roll, because of a failed save, because of, you know, one encounter. Else. And you know what that know what that is? That's chaos. That's what slot are. <laughs> so they do their job in the game and in the flavor. <laughs> I like them a lot. And I think that it would be very easy to reskin these. For different kinds of oh yes, I mean environments. If you want to just have, there's this race of evil humanoids that that's how they reproduce. Red and blue slot. Just forget all the other ones. Just red and blue slot that reproduce through nasty clawing of parasitic. People. Yeah, <laughs> and there you have it. They don't have to be slot. They can be you know some other weird space larva thing. But right, I mean that that's a lot of custom classes just. Take a take a monster, change the look, change like two attacks, boom. Yeah, right, exactly. And it's it's there it is. It's there for you. And I just I like these creatures. I got I don't see right in my head a way to use them right away, but I have some ways that I can think to use them that I'm excited to try out someday. Hopefully. Yeah, it, it's definitely not anything that's gonna work in your campaign right now. Not the one that I'm running right now, no, but for the next campaign I want to run, that's going to be a lot more Adventure of the Week. A lot more, you know. Right. The 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 chain of events are going to be a lot more dependent on player actions and less on a thought-out story plotline that I have. Maybe I'll find a way to bring them in. A, a, much, a more loosely structured, <clears throat> chaotic type of game <laughs> sequencing is a great place to bring in your slot. <laughs> But yeah, that's I think that's all we got for today. Yeah, so I anything believe Anything so. else you want to add in in the last minute? Not really. Uh, once I get that uh, player background up, I'll link it in the description. So right, well, absolutely. Make sure to mention it in an episode as well when that's ready. So alrighty, make sure you listen to more episodes in the future. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah, a little shameless self plug. There we go. Hey, got got a shill. Got a shill. Right. <laughs> 
So that's all for today. We'll see you guys next week. Keep on delving. All right.